Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, life has often been described as a journey, hasn't it? Whether long or short, we just don't know. Along the pathway, there are many intersections that we cross. Intersections that affect our lives in very definite ways. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen brings us the gospel message with a focus on divine intersections in our lives. First, he describes how earth was intersected, as it were, by heaven when God first created man in his own image upon the earth. He goes on to explain how eternity was intersected by time, when the Savior came into the world, placing himself within the bounds of time in order to reach a world of lost souls. Then there is time, our time, meeting up with eternity. Yes, the time unknown to us when we'll leave this world to venture out into eternity. Finally, and best of all, the time and place when our guilt was intersected by the wonderful grace of God. So let's listen as Mr. Dirksen explains each of these vital intersections for us and through them presents to us the good news of the gospel. Book of Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. And the Lord God formed, as a sculptor, the margin says, the Lord God formed, man of the dust of the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul the book of galatians on the other end of our bible galatians 4 and 4 but when the fullness of the time was come god sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption or the position of sons of being brought into the very family of God. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. Back to the Gospel of Luke now, chapter 12. And again, the very well-known parable that the Lord Jesus told in verse number 16. Luke chapter 12, verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And final verse in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. For when we were yet without strength... In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you don't live in southwestern Ontario, you don't really appreciate the landscape until you come here. It's flat, isn't it? 
Intersections are clearly marked. You can see the intersection coming up many times a long way down the road. When you're on the East Coast, uh, it's a little different, especially in some of the older parts of, of the nation. You go to St. John's or you go to Philadelphia or Bryn Mawr or some of these places and you'll, you'll find that roads are very twisty and turny and there's all kinds of intersections at the oddest angles. Life is full of intersections and we have read tonight of some of the major intersections that God speaks of in this book. He's a hands-on God. And so I'd like to look tonight at what we've been considering this day, at the heart of God, as seen in the hand of God. These two work together. His heart moves his hands in the affairs of this world. And tonight, God would bring us to some of the intersections that this book reveals to us. Very simply, we have read of earth being intersected by heaven. By the majesty of creation in those early hours of God's movings, God formed man out of the dust of the ground and man became a living soul. Earth was intersected by the reality of heaven's activity. We have read also in Galatians chapter 4 about eternity being intersected by time. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. Don't ask me how long in the past that verse takes us. I can't define eternity. I can't even understand eternity. But the word of God says when the fullness of the time was come, God was moving in time now. And in that moment of amazing visitation, God sent forth his son. Eternity intersected by time. We have read in Luke chapter 12 of a man who was living in time, of a man who had made tremendous plans, of a man who had all the blueprints on the table, of a man who had a tremendously bright future, and all of a sudden he came to an intersection that he wasn't contemplating, wasn't expecting, when time was intersected by eternity. One of the reasons why we have a gospel meeting is because of that intersection when time will be intersected by eternity. We have read in Romans chapter 5 about the wondrous reality and the tremendous truth about our guilt being intersected by God's grace. What a moment, a moment of salvation, a moment of mighty deliverance, a, a moment of appreciating this tremendous truth that the man who died upon the cross was there for me. I'm the guilty one. He was the sinless one. And yet there was one who came from heaven. And our guilt and our vileness and our helplessness and our hopelessness was intersected by the matchless personal work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to look very simply at some of these intersections that cross all of our pathways. We've gone back to Genesis chapter 2. And although only one man finally came out of that scene, it would have been an amazing moment to watch the proceedings. Prior to this, God had spoken the worlds into existence. The word of God tells us, God said, let there be light. And by the power of his word, light appeared. It only cost him some words. Let there be light. And light appeared. He spoke the worlds into existence. But there came a moment when the hand of omnipotence began to move clay. I would love to have been there to see the sculptor taking that, it says dust, but let's make it clay a little bit more malleable. 
And as the hand of the Almighty God began to form man out of the clay of this ground, the image of a man appeared, the zenith of God's creatorial work. And as God looked upon that still form, it just says, God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. A man stood up, made in the image and likeness of God. What a tremendous moment. What a reflection, what a revelation of the, of the majesty of creation. We look up and we see the, the glory of the firmament, the heavens to slay, the glory of our God. But tonight we're dealing not just with the heavens, we're dealing with men and women. Because you see, this God moved with his hands in bringing us into existence. This is a hands-on operation. This is a hands-on God. This is the revelation of his interest, of his concern in every one of us. And he has made us not only by his power, but he has made us that we might know him with, a, with an eternal purpose, that we might enjoy not just life here, but that we might enjoy him forever. And what we've been hearing at this conference right through this day starts here, but takes us on into the eternal ages. And to me, there's nothing greater in this world than knowing him and enjoying his presence. The majesty of creation came when earth was intersected by the mighty power of heaven. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Because the ages rolled. History advanced. Men and women were born. Nations moved across the face of the earth. And in the midst of all of these movements, the very hand of God was seen, moving to a moment that we have read of in Galatians chapter 4, that when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. In that moment, eternity was intersected by time. The father of eternity, and that's his name in the book of Isaiah, isn't it? He stepped into time. I can't honestly understand that. To me, the mystery of the incarnation, the mystery of godliness is, is a mystery. That for the first time in his eternal existence, there was a son of God and he was linked with time. It was the day when Mary held her firstborn son and said, now he, he is seven days old. <laughs> uh, quite a thing, isn't it? The eternal son of God, and yet now linked with time. We've been reminded of the moment when he was 12, when he was found in the midst of the doctors, listening to them, answering their questions, and they were shaking their heads. We have never, never, never heard and seen this kind of wisdom. Came a moment when at the age of 30, he stepped into the sphere of public ministry, and people looked at him. They saw him. Jesus Christ is God in focus. And when the fullness of the time was come, the eternal God stepped into time. Must have been quite a moment for the father when he said to the son, the time has come. And when that father sent his son, he knew full well what the journey would bring. He knew the cost of the mission. He knew the course of the mission. He knew the objective of the mission. He knew what it would involve for his son and for his own heart and yet the Bible says God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. In fact, John tells us the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Eternity now being intersected by time. And when that moment came, down from the glory, the savior came. Why did he come? Have you ever seen any value in him? In fact, John, as he, he writes in 1 John, and it was very likely as an old man that he was writing, he said, you know, this one that I'm writing to you about, he says, we have actually handled him. We've actually handled him. You go into jewelry stores, you will likely see signs, do not touch. 
You walk into museums, as some of us have done, and you will see the exhibits there behind glass cages. They're untouchable. They don't want hands-on. And yet when the Lord Jesus Christ came, when the mighty creator stepped into his own creation, the word of God says we actually handled him. Why did he come? I'll tell you why he came. He came to speak to us. He came to make us aware of his interest. He came to extend a message of, of invitation. And we understand and appreciate his, his gracious and lovely words. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Can you think of any person in this world, from the president to the prime minister to the kings and the queens and all the other dignitaries in this world, can you think of one person that would be able to utter that statement and deliver on the promise? You come to me and I will give you rest. No, there's not one apart from this man when eternity was intersected by time. A gracious invitation. He came to make us aware of our eternal journey. And he came to speak words of warning. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. And as he intersected with meta women, we have been reminded that there was a moment when he wept over a city. His heart beat with grief and yet with sincere interest in their salvation. They were rejecting the king. They were rejecting the savior. And tonight there is a savior that longs, longs for your eternal blessing. He came to warn. I remember driving in the 401 a number of years ago. I was going with the flow, and that was about 130, and I was just about into Toronto. Just up ahead on the right side of the 401, and by that time there were three or four lanes, I uh, noticed that there was a, a large trailer being towed by a pickup. Now, the trailer was not in very good shape. It was one of the old versions. And I happened to notice as well that in the back axle of that trailer, there was smoke pouring out. That was on the passenger side at the very end of the trailer, and the driver was unaware of what was happening at the back. Now, what do you think I did? I have pulled enough trailers to know that that meant trouble. Likely an axle fire, likely a bearing seized up. Something was not right. Do you think I just kind of went, drove by? Do you think I just kind of honked my horn and said, had a good day? Do you think I just kind of kept steering ahead? I didn't know the man. But I thought that man, that driver, needs to be made aware of what's happening back there. And still going with the flow, I began to honk my horn and I began to wave with my arms as violently as I could, trying to get the man's attention and going, but he got the message. I watched him pull over and stop that trailer. He was unaware. He was unaware of where he was heading, of what was happening. You know why the Lord Jesus came? He came to speak to us concerning the direction we're going. He came to warn us of the destination that we're traveling toward. We needed a savior. We needed a wake-up call. When he came, he came to speak to us. When he came, he came to seek for us as well. What an amazing truth this is. The Son of Man has come to seek, to seek, and to save that which is lost. This gospel meeting is just the evidence that there is a Savior who is seeking for individuals. We've been reminded that the Savior is seeking for worshipers. Before a worshiper can be brought into reality, he's looking for sinners who will respond to him. He's looking for those that will respond to his grace. He's looking for those that are lost in their sins, without hope, without strength to save themselves. And tonight, this ongoing search continues. You are in view tonight. The Son of Man has come to seek, and he came to suffer. He knew that was the cost of the mission. 
He knew exactly what Calvary would bring. And as he lay on that garden floor in Gethsemane, he weighed up the cost and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And there from that garden floor he rose and went out to meet Judas. And as a lamb led to the slaughter, he went out to suffer. He suffered from our hands. We know the story well, and perhaps you do too, but maybe you've never appreciated it. We beat his face, pummeled it. We raked his back like a plowed field. Men spit upon that lovely face. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. They blindfolded him. And finally, they pierced his hands and his feet. He suffered. That's why he came. My friend, that is not the full measure of his sufferings. There upon that cross, having been put there by the hands of men, he began to now suffer at the hands of a holy God. He was there because of our sin. He was there because of our guilt. He was there because he had come as a substitute. He had come to suffer for sins, the just one for us, the unjust ones, with the tremendous purpose that he might bring us to God. And in that tremendous work, the work of salvation was realized because, you see, he had come not just to seek and to suffer, he had come to save. When eternity was intersected by time, it was with regard to your salvation. I wonder, friend, does that visitation mean anything to you tonight? Has there ever been a moment when you have appreciated this tremendous truth? He was there for me. That's why he came. But let me remind you of the, of the intersection in Luke chapter 12, because this intersection is coming close for all of us. I wonder what will happen when that time comes for you. comes very unexpectedly. comes with tremendous decisiveness. And all of a sudden, we're over on the other side. Some have time to say goodbye. Some don't have time to say goodbye. Some are prepared. Many are not prepared. And in this gospel meeting, that intersection is drawing near for all of us. I recall being at a conference. In fact, I remember the time we were having lunch. And uh, the woman, the Christian who answered the phone, came to our table. And I thought, wow, what's this all about? And she spoke to my friends for you. He said, I've got to go. My father has just had a massive heart attack. Let me just tell you very simply that that man had heard the gospel. That man grew up in a gospel hall Sunday school. That that man understood his need, but at a pivotal age of his life, he made a choice. He says, I would like to make a name for myself. I'd like to go into business. You'd have seen his name on hundreds of tractor trailers. So cash flush that they hardly knew what to do with all the profits. At that time, a million dollars of business going in and out of that warehouse every single week. His name was known. But when that intersection came, you know what he said? Don't let me die. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But the intersection did come. And a man stepped from time and eternity. He left everything behind. You see, that's why the Lord Jesus told the story about Luke chapter 12, about this man who prospered in life, but who forgot about the intersection. I trust there'll be someone here tonight, maybe a young person, maybe an older one. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel, or maybe it, it's so familiar that you, you've already tuned me off. Whatever the case, I trust you might firmly understand and face this all-important intersection. It's coming, ready or not. And when that intersection comes, destinies are sealed and finalized forever. I'm so glad I prepared for that intersection. And you know, I was able to prepare for that intersection, not on anything that I have done or ever will do. 
I was able to prepare for that all-important moment when I would step into eternity on the basis of what happened or what it says in Romans chapter 5. That wasn't the verse I was reading. I was reading Isaiah 53 and 6. And I might as well quote it because it's my favorite verse. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And I said, that's me. I've gone my own way. I'm astray. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. I have no hope for eternity. And then I read these golden words. And the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. And for the first time in my life, I understood that there was an answer to my guilt. I understood there was an answer to my helplessness. I understood that there was one who loved me and actually gave himself for me when my guilt was intersected by God's amazing grace. That's what the Bible says. When we're yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And the hymn I learned, and I've sung it ever since, is a hymn I still love. All my sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them laid them on him. And believing and receiving, I go free. This night could be your intersection night when you could start for heaven, when you could come to appreciate the Savior, when the hand of God and the heart of God becomes personal to you in the giving of his Son, that you might receive what he has provided on the basis of his amazing grace. How marvelous that God should ever choose to intersect our earth, our history, and our own personal lives. But he has. By the giving of his Son, God has provided a way for you and me to be brought back into personal relationship with himself. But this, of course, meant that he had to come from eternity into our time and to leave heaven to enter our world. And why did he do this? so that our upcoming appointment with eternity will bring us joy together with him instead of the separation that comes from never knowing him as Savior. Yes, indeed, God has dealt with our guilt and settled our greatest problem, sin. Has your life ever been intersected with the grace of God? If so, you can never be the same again. You'll know the peace of God here and now as well as the prospect of never-ending joy in the eternity that awaits all of us. But if not, we trust that today, after hearing this message, as you stand at this crucial intersection in your life, that you will choose Christ and change your destiny forever. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gospel hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. 
And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.